so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Can you imagine what it must have been like to march during the heated days of the civil rights movement and to suffer for your work to promote racial unity? John Perkins can picture the scenario because he has lived it. At the MLK 50 conference, he reflected on his experience in an interview with Russell Moore. Let's join them now. The band uh, Switchfoot has a song called The Call that has the line, John Perkins said it right, love is the final fight. And I, I think about the line over and over again and have been today because I have been looking forward to and anticipating for so long having uh, with us today one of my heroes in the faith, my fellow Mississippian, Dr. John Perkins. Thank you for being with us, Dr. Perkins. Real joy is the fulfillment of long-time hope, anticipation, is the fulfillment of that expectation. It was like that greatest event in the history of the world when the angel of the Lord spoke to the shepherds. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Which shall be to all people, all people. For unto you is born this night in the city of David a savior from sin. That was the mission. Who is Christ the Lord? That was the good news. That was the good news. We have created gapping holes in that good news that make us believe that we can be reconciled to God who we've never seen and hate our brothers and sisters who is in fact from one blood. Mm. That is the struggle. Mm. The struggle is human dignity. Our constitution said it all and that's what's creating a crisis. You can no longer be un-American and live unconstitution and move forward. We're at that place that Abraham Lincoln said. You can fool some of the people all the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. We are at that place now that we've got to affirm the dignity that's in our Constitution, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all human beings are created equal, as endowed by their Creator with certain rights, 
chief among those of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We're at a place of good news. We can't play the role of dehumanization and race games anymore. It's time for us to come back and believe the scripture that we was created to reflect the image of God in the world. And he said, I am one God, I created one humanity, and I created that humanity in my image and my likeness. And that we have put that into our culture in a way we are perpetuating our culture and that we are locked captive to our own culture and that we are now yelling at each other. Yelling at each other. When I call a white man a racist, it's just like calling me a nigger. And what we are doing today, we are saying nigger, nigger, nigger. We can't go on. What we got in front of us is genocide and suicide and drug addiction because the contradiction is too much to live with. We got to go back and believe the gospel that he brought us good news of great joy. I've just told you what one blood is about. You can no longer issue out dignity by amendments and, and programs. Program should come out of the reflection of who we are before God. That's going to affirm our dignity. And it keeps the rich feeling that they are still superior in life. We are at a wonderful place. We can't go forward anymore without that. It's genocide. White folks are killing it, going to theaters, churches, and killing white folks, we are black folk are killing each other with handguns. We are on a genocide mission because we have believed a lie. We have believed that there's more than one human race and that we have locked that human race in all of our cultures. What a joy to be here tonight. Somebody gonna say, how do we get here well, when Martin Luther King was doing his March on Washington and all that, we was communists. And I never would have thought that I lived to see us here tonight, looking like we are looking tonight. Mm -hmm. So I'm honored, absolutely, and to be here with another Mississippian mm -hmm. together. What a day. That's my speech. We, we were talking this morning about being from Mississippi, and, and you said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And uh, one of the things that, uh, one of the things that happened uh, to you in Mississippi was hearing and receiving the gospel. How did you come to know Jesus Christ? Well, it's a long story, and I, of course, it's all in one blood. <laughs> His blood. <laughs> but but, but my, my, my oldest son, who was about three and a half, four years old, in California, I'm a heathen. And he went to a good news club, 
and came home singing the good news to me. And it was, God loves the little children, all the children of the world, brown and yellow, black and white. They all are precious in his sight. And in Alabama and in Mississippi and in Arkansas, they didn't sing that song. And I heard the good news. And that's how I came to know Jesus Christ, by somebody proclaiming to me the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel. So that's how I came to it. And the unique thing that I, they told me that the Bible was a story about the revelation of God as he worked through people. And that people was created to reflect the image of God. And I was disciple to being a Christian. One of the things today, we make people Christian without discipling them. And disciple, Christianity is a behavior. Christianity is a behavior. It comes out of being taught. Go into all the world and disciple the nation. And that main discipleship is to say that he created humanity, one God, one mediator between God and man, and he created man to reflect the image and the likeness of God in the world. We missed the mission, and we went to make them Christian. Discipleship is to make them Christian. It to make them behave like Christian, and they know we are Christian because this humanity loves one another. So love is the expression, you are serving God absolutely when you love like God. And we was left here to reflect God's love in the world. And that God's love reflects God's justice because he created us in his image he wanted us to live in a sense of equality. And so, John 3.16 was a statement of God's love and justice together. And so, justice now, we're in a position, is coming back to the church. When we preach the incarnative life in God as he was, so are we in the world, and so we ought to behave like Jesus mm. in the world. Mm. So, discipleship is the missing element. We call them Christian without discipleship. Mm. And now they can believe that their race is superior because they don't know what Jesus said mm -hmm. to what God said to Moses. I've created I am one, and I created mankind to represent me, and I won't have no other God before me. And what we really want to do, we don't lack equality. Uh, we want to be first. And so sin is made up out of our own 
temptation, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And the pride of life makes me and my race, and your race, it's only one race. And that's the human race. And human being is to reflect that in the way they live, in the way they live in the world. We are at a beautiful place. We are at a beautiful place in our, in our life. So it was that discipleship that helped me. To, and it was my discipleship was multi-culture discipleship. And that's what he sent us into the world to do is to make a church that reflect that love one for another. They call them Christian when the gospel burnt through the ethnicity at Antioch. And it was churches there, it was people there that reflected in the church the ethnicity of God's human race. It's unfortunate that we are born in that life. I don't think we can move forward. I think it's too much of a contradiction. I think it's creating a drug culture. I think we need something to adjust to this lie, to this constitutional lie we live. And the world is seeing that. And they're seeing it within the evangelical church because we have divided it down along culture barriers in life. And that we have wrapped ourselves around out of political and social wraparound. And that we can't penetrate through that culture without offending each other. What state you from? Whether you're a Democrat, Republican, conservative, Tea Party. And that we think that brings value to humanity. It devalues humanity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The gospel is the power of God to bring salvation. We don't know what the problem, and that's why we can't find the answer. The problem is that we are divided. And reconciliation is not a side issue that we discover 25 years ago in Promise Keeper. Now it's an option. Reconciliation is the outcome of the gospel. God is in Christ reconciling the world unto himself and has given his church that ministry. And I got an option. God's truth is not negotiable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are a beautiful place. Ooh. We are a beautiful place. You mentioned One Blood, and uh, Dr. Perkins' book is out today called One Blood, Parting Words to the Church on Race, and he's, he's actually going to be signing that book over in the exhibit hall right after, uh, right after we're done with the session tonight. And one of the things that you talk about in here is kind of uh, what you've learned uh, over the, the past many years and looking toward the future, and a lot of those years were spent in some really, really difficult uh, situations in Mississippi. Why did you go back to Mississippi knowing the sort of hostility that was going to be there? Well, 
the group that I was in discipleship with was a white and black group. And they carried me to a jail after I came to know Christ. And I got there. I'm 27 years old. I'm doing pretty good. And I went to that jail, and I saw that 80% of these kids was black like me. And many of them had come from Mississippi like I had to escape the racism down there. And I found it in California of another kind. And it was in that jail I shared my conversion experience. And in the back, there was two black young men who were just crying, and they was crying in emotion. And, and I thought that I needed to get back there as soon as I got through my testimony and uh, quiet them down. And they was crying and said, your life reflects my life. And I had remember I had lived in Mississippi my first 17 years and in California another 10 years. And I would never heard that gospel message. Mm. And, and I, so I felt that call. Mm. I felt that call to go back to my home state of Mississippi in 1960. Mm. And I look at now, it was a sort of a divine calling in my life, to go back there and to live among our people for 10 years and nobody heard about it, and I'm reaching 15,000 kids in the segregated schools in Mississippi. And there I got to know some things, and I got to know that in order to create the, the dignity, affirm the dignity of people, you got to feel their pain. You got to feel a sense of passion. And it was in Mississippi I learned that. And of course, I learned from Dr. Martin Luther King that the culture of our captivity was the black rule. And all we had did was migrated from Mississippi and Alabama into the urban community. And so I learned more about black behavior in the North and the South because Martin had said himself, our mobility was from one ghetto in the South to another ghetto in the North mm. in society. And I never believed, I never believed that God was a bigot. I can't believe that God is a bigot. I can't believe that he created a heaven for white people and a heaven for black people. Mm -hmm. I have never believed that. Mm -hmm. I think I escaped that by leaving, leaving Mississippi. Mm -hmm. I think I escaped that by getting to California and believing that God loves the little children of the world. I still believe that. Mm -hmm. I still believe that. And if we can't do that, we can't be like Jesus. We're being more like Jesus when we love each other. By this may all people know that we are his disciples, but because I love, that is the motivation. Love and justice is the motivation for God's redemption. Why did he come? Because he so loved this life 
this one life. I've come that you might have life. And we have broken that life into black life and white life, and we have demonized that. And what we are doing, I heard it tonight, we are saying to each other, nigga, nigga, nigga. And we go around in a circle, and we get back, and we don't get the progress. We got to recognize that God is in Christ, was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, and has given that to the church. It's the church. This is not a political statement. My political views don't help me. It don't add any values to my life. Because both of the political systems are the same. And both of them are voting in their own self-interest. And the church has a mission to the world. We are supposed to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel in Babylon. We're supposed to be witnessing to the political system instead of thinking ways that this political system can help us out of it. And we have mixed up political reconciliation with spiritual reconciliation. And we are confused. We are confused. The gospel is the power of God to bring salvation. The idea is that we are the broken humanity. It took Paul 17 verse to tell us in Romans about the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It took him three chapters to talk about our brokenness. That's why we don't get to the problem. We deal with the symptoms. The symptoms is that we broke a relationship with God. And God's mission was to reconcile us back to him. And to, that's the mission of the church. We have made it a choice. That's, folks... That's our problem. And we'll get together and go around in these circles. And I'll hear blacks trying to get up equal to white folk. A little black boy will be going down the streets. I might have said this before. And he will say, running from the policeman, and he'll say, black life matters too. And the white will say, what in the hell are you talking about? That's a radical group. That's the same as the Nazis. Black folks haven't killed six million people. The Nazis was involved in the death of six million people, and now we're the same. We're in trouble, people, and our solution is the church. He created the church to bear his name before the world. Neither is there a deliverance from our problem in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among man where we might be saved. And the church have that mission. We have let him down. We have let him down. We have believed the lie. Uh, the gods of this world has blinded our mind lest we believe this wonderful truth.
that God created this humanity in his image, in his likeness, and he created us equal before him. Equal in human dignity, not equal in substance. Substance has to do with our own sense of stewardship. How we steward God's earth. And justice is a stewardship issue. It's an economic issue in a way that the poor is not left out in our society. And so these words of love and justice and passion, and that we find that passion in suffering. Suffering is a virtue. Suffering monitors passion when you can enter into the pain of others. Then it becomes redemptive. It becomes vicarious and redemptive in our world. And so we, got, we have bought into a false sense of prosperity theology. We've created a theology that tries to resist what we need and that passion that comes out of pain. Mm -hmm. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame. Mm -hmm. And the cross is about his suffering. And there is one way to get rid of sin, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, who is a multicultural being. That's what the genealogy is about in the Bible. Mm -hmm to let us know that we all came from the same sources. And that blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And we have to walk with the sense of the consciousness of that. That's a problem. We're not walking with the sense of consciousness of our sin because sin, our sin, is made by us. We sin when we turn away from God to ourselves based on the temptation of life. And we, most of us, have become victims. They think somebody else got to do something before we do something. What we got to do is believe on the name of the Son of God and believe that he is our Savior of our world. We're at a great point, y'all. We're at a great starting place, and I think we go there, and I think that's the place we go, and I think that's why we're here tonight, and what a privilege it is to be here with you and with this congregation tonight. John Perkins said it right. <laughs> His book, One Blood, I really I commend it to you. And uh, there are many of you who are going to want to go over and, and not only to, to get the book, but also to be able to, to speak to Dr. Perkins to give thanks to God for your ministry and for your life. And it is a joy in life to be in this fight with you. Let's thank John Perkins for being with us tonight. Thanks for listening to the ERLC podcast. You can find more information on this and a variety of other topics at ERLC.com and tune in next week to hear a discussion about church planting.